Let's open up to the book of Psalms, and we're going to start off in chapter 9, and we'll see how far we get. I, uh, I, I, I told you guys before that within the Jews, when they used to teach back in the day that the teacher would sit and the students would stand. Remember, we've talked a little bit about that. You guys know that, right? You guys want to do that tonight? <laughs> you don't want to, huh? So I'll sit. I guess we can both sit. And, uh, and a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight has to do with the fact that God is, uh, is judge and, uh, and he's going he's gonna to bring justice to the world, you know. Uh, he does it in individual lives. Sometimes we see it on planet Earth. Not always. He always does it to nations. Every nation will be judged before the Lord finishes his work. And then sometimes, however, people are, you know, they go through life, things seem good, and then they stand before God one day, and it's at that point that they're judged. And, you know, the thing that I want to share with you is that, you know, we all deserve judgment. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we don't have to experience that. Jesus Christ suffered the judgment that we deserve. And the moment we place our faith in him, then praise God, man, we don't have to experience that. You know, I don't know if there's anyone here tonight struggling or maybe, you know, you're battling you know, the condemnation of the enemy. I just want you to know that in Christ you're forgiven, you're free. You know, but for the wicked and those who don't want to repent, those who don't want to get right, those who are playing church or whatever, they got one foot in the world, one foot, you know, in, in here. Man, that's not a good place to be. Over the years, I've seen so many things happen. I've seen guys uh, fall away from the Lord. I've seen marriages crumble. I've seen guys die. Because they did not want to follow the, the Lord. And so, you know, it's cool to see you here on a midweek service. That's pretty impressive. But maybe you're here because somebody dragged you here. Maybe you're here because you feel obligated or you feel burdened. You know, if that's you and you're not really hungry for God, I pray that he would give you a hunger for him. You know, because this Christian thing, it's not something to be lived half-heartedly. You know, we're going to see that in our study tonight. Uh, look what we read here in Psalm 9. It says, uh, To the chief musician, to the tune of death of the son, a psalm of David. And so that's an interesting tune, huh? Death of the son. Uh, this is actually uh, what they call death metal. No, I'm just joking. It's not that. It's... Uh, I, we don't know for sure, but more than likely, it's in reference to the death of Goliath. The death of Goliath. It was the, the son of the Philistines. You guys remember that guy? He was nine feet tall. And he came against uh, Israel and he defied the, the armies of the living God. And therefore, in doing so, he defied uh, God. And so David has this tune, apparently, that it's all about that. And so now he takes the music and he brings it over to this psalm. And it's kind of cool because basically what he does is, you know, he looks back at what God has done and, and how God has been faithful in the past. And what that does is it gives him faith for the future. And that's kind of what he does. He's going to talk about things that the Lord has accomplished, but he's also going to talk about things that God still wants to accomplish. 
And, and, you know, I don't know, you know, how many of you here have been walking with the Lord, you know, maybe more than five years? Just out of curiosity, more than five years? Uh, ten years? Anyone here longer than ten years? You know, for those of you who have been walking with the Lord for a while, you can look back and you can see the amazing things that God has done. Has He ever let you down? Has He ever, you know, forsaken you? No. Even the, the difficult things. He has used those tragedies for triumphs. He's used those uh, stumbling stones for stepping stones. He has used even the difficulties of life to draw us to him. So let me tell you something. Since he's never failed you and he has done great things, understand he will never fail you and he still has great things. So here David, you know, he kind of looks back to the time where, you know, the Lord used him to defeat Goliath. And he brings up that tune. And notice what he says in verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. You know, I I will praise you with my, my whole heart. You know, not half a heart, you know, everything. You're all in as a Christian. And, and David says, and I will tell of your marvelous works. Uh, the word tell, it, it's actually the Hebrew word that we normally translate uh, a scribe. And you guys know what a scribe does, right? They record things. And so David, basically, he came to a place in his life where he said, I want to tell the world of what God has done. And of course, we know he wrote, you know, at least 74, 75 Psalms, some say more. He definitely did that. He did that in writing, literally. He did that in the life that he lived. And, uh, and, and right, that word marvelous right there, it just basically is a word that says all the things that go beyond human power. And so he came to a place where he said, my life will be a testimony of all the amazing things that God has done. And it's a great place to be. You know, I, I was, uh, I don't know if you guys here are, are interested in college football. Uh, I'm not, I haven't been following it too much, but I, I was watching uh, the nightly news and they said that it was going to be on that night. So I told my wife, hey, let's watch the game real quick. There was like four minutes left. Did any of you guys see that game? Come on, I know you're saved, but you're not that saved, are you? No, I'm just joking. No, normally I won't watch the game, but, you know, I watched the last four minutes of it. It was an awesome game between Alabama and Georgia. And it looked like Georgia was going to win. I hope there's no Georgia fans here. I'm sorry, man, but it was amazing. I think they were up 20 to 7, 20 to 13, eventually it became 2020. And, uh, you know, Alabama was going to win. They, they tried kicking a field goal. They missed it. It was an easy field goal. They missed it, so their hearts went down here. You know, then they go into overtime and uh, Georgia hits a 51-yard field goal. Some of you guys who know a little about football, that's a lot. And so, you know, it looks good for them. Next thing you know, Alabama gets the ball. And you know what's going on? This whole time, my wife is praying for Alabama. And I'm like, why? You don't even know who this Oh, She's all, well, I know the coach and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, she's praying for Bama. And it was interesting, man, because uh, they had replaced their quarterback in the second half. Apparently, he wasn't effective so they got this other guy he's a red red shirt freshman i mean just wet behind the ears but man what happened was that last drive 
Uh, it didn't look good because he got sacked, man. He probably went back about 18 yards out of field goal range. Looked like it was over. But then uh, it's just amazing what happened. He took the snap. He went back. And he's looking to the right, looking to the right. And then, boom, he throws it to the left. And I don't know how far it was, but it was probably a good 60-yard touchdown. And, and they won the game. All that to say, you're like, well, I'm going to about football. Because when it was all said and done, they put that mic in front of that red shirt freshman and they asked him about what was probably the most significant event that, you know, any young football player could ever imagine experiencing throwing the winning touchdown in the national championship game in front of millions of people. And any of you who saw it, it was just so beautiful to see. He said, first of all, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And apparently this guy was, was that he has said, if I get that platform, if I can talk, I will tell of the marvelous works of God. And you want to know why it was so like just so it had to be said because he knew it was the Lord. He knew it was the Lord. And, and David, you know, he knew the same thing, you, you know, going into this. This work of God and slaying Goliath. He knew it was the Lord. And we're going to see that as we go through our text. He says right here, I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. You know, when uh, Goliath, uh, in First Samuel chapter 17, when Goliath was going out there, and he did it for 40 days, he was defying the armies of the living God, and therefore he was defying the living God. It was the God of the Philistines, Dagon, against the God of Israel. And, and right here, David calls him Elion, God Most High. That's Elion. And, and basically what you know, David is saying and what we need to know is that that's, that's the God that we serve. You know, the world, they offer you their gods, the God of money, the God of mammon, the God of pleasure, the God of Ashtoreth, you know, the God of you know, rain, creation, Baal, whatever it is. They offer you all these gods, even ourselves. You know, we bow down to ourselves, right? Um, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. No, he's the God most high. He's Elion. And what he says is that, that, that he's my God. He's done these marvelous works. I will sing. I will praise. I will tell like a scribe the story of my Savior. Of what God has done. Notice what we read next. It says, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. Notice he says, for you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. You know, there's a lot of guys that, that they would say, well, it was me. You know, I worked hard, man. I, 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 I worked on my game. I, I, I have an arm. You know, I have this endurance and I worked hard at it. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that they want to take the glory for themselves. You know, but what, what can we do without the Lord? You know, 
one of the things that, that the Lord has shown me, and, I, and I'll just share this with you guys, is that um, I have to start my day in the Word and in prayer. I have to. I cannot go out into the world. I can't stand before man. I can't stand before the devil unless I first have knelt before God. You know, and, and I don't know why people would have the, the, the audacity and the foolishness to try to do anything without first spending time with God. You know, so I, I know, and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you how, how weak I am. I, I wake up and I, and I read my Bible and then I make sure that I get on my knees and, and this is why, because the Lord, he's basically, you know, basically I was telling the Lord the other day, I said, Lord, I have proven to myself that I can do nothing without you because I have failed a million times. I mean, it's proof. I can't do this without you. I can't be the husband. I can't have a victorious day. I can't be a dad. I can't do ministry. I can't do anything without you. And I've proven that by failing a million times. And I wonder if there's anyone here who's failed a million times. Anybody here? You know what I'm talking about? And, and it, is it proven? <laughs> it's a pragmatic uh, fact that you can't do it without the Lord. Don't tell me that a man is going to lose the battle. Don't tell me that a man is not going to overcome that addiction. Don't tell me that a man will not be the man that God wants him to be if he gets in the Word and he gets on his knees from the bottom of his heart every day of his life. David here says it was you. Lord, you did it. You did this work. You defeated the nations. You slayed Goliath. It was you. I know I believe that David had an intimate personal relationship with God and that's why he was able to be the man that he was. Not perfect, but proper. He was a victorious man. It's not complicated. You don't have to have a degree in seminary. You don't have to know rocket science. You just have to open up your Bible with an open heart. You have to get on your knees and ask God for strength and really mean it every single day. Ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit. And when you read your Bible, you're loving it, you want to learn it, and you really want to live it. You watch what God will do. Here David is just giving God the glory for the victories that, that he's given to him over the enemy. And, and he says in, in verse 6, O enemy, destructions are, are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities and that and that you right there should probably be capitalized in reference to god and the way that the god you know god just defeats our enemies even their memory has perished but the lord shall endure forever he has prepared his throne for judgment he shall judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness right there where it says he has prepared his throne for judgment, it really means he has established his throne for judgment. And so 
you know, God is going to deal with the enemy. God is going to judge the enemy. And, and a lot of times when you're reading these things, I don't know if you guys have any enemies. Some of you, you know, I don't know if someone hates you at work. Anybody here? No, you won't raise your hand, huh? You know, physical enemies. Uh, someone wants to, 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 they're after you. I remember one time, a long time ago, there was a gang that was after me. It was a scary time in my life. I disappeared for 10 years. No, I'm just joking. I didn't. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, uh, we do have the enemy, huh? The devil and his demons. You know, the other day I, I was doing a, a house visit and it's just a, an intense situation that this family is going through. Maybe, you know, some of you here are experiencing it in your house where the devil's coming in and he's trying to do his thing. And so, um, you know, one of the, the sisters there, not, not to say anything negative or anything, but she made it seem like, well, you don't have to think about the devil. You know, you, you, you'll, you'll be better off just like not even like thinking about him. And, and, I, and, I, and I just wanted to share with her. And I share with her, you know, I understand that sometimes we take it too far. We think the devil's behind everything. He burned my Pop-Tart. You know, I mean, uh, we think he's behind everything. And sometimes, you know, we can take it to the other extreme where we, we're oblivious to the fact that we have someone who's watching us planning to strategize and take us down and so what i what i try to tell her is this we just have to have a biblical balance we do have enemies maybe not physically because we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we do have enemies but god is going to deal with them god is going to deal with the wicked we're going to see that as we go through our text today david mentions that and he says however in verse 9 but the lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You know, I was going through this psalm and I, and I was like, Lord, I, I think what David is saying here is, you know, he's talking about a king and, and he's also talking about, you know, Christians. He's talking about the king of a kingdom, but he's also talking about citizens individually. And, and when we go through those hard times, that's what he mentions right here, those hard times. He says right here, then God is a refuge in times of trouble. You know, I was thinking about the Alvarez family and, uh, and the situation that they're facing, you know. I mean, it, it looks like it might be a possibility that their daughter, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful daughter, might pass. Now, as a parent, as a sibling, you know, which way do you go? You know, I, I was reminded in the Gospel of John, you know, chapter six, how when things started getting tough and some of the things that Jesus was saying were hard to understand. And he was kind of purposely making it that way because he was going to test their faith. You know, people started going away. And, and so, you know, they were leaving. John six sixty six. it says, and from that time, many departed. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing. You know, and, and it's sometimes when people go through hard times, you know, they don't read their Bible. They don't 
pray. They don't go to church. And so the Lord, he took, looked to the disciples and he said, well, what about you? What are you going to do? Peter, are you going to leave too? And you guys remember what Peter said. He said, where, where can I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe that you're the son of God. You're the Christ. You know, when we go through hard times, and I know the enemy will try to discourage you, and maybe even times of failure, condemnation, make you go the wrong way. I want to encourage you to run to the Lord because he is our refuge. You know, when you think of a refuge, you know, some will call this a sanctuary. And I think in one sense it is because when the body of believers come together, you know, we're, we're not much, you know, but we're, we are his and he does dwell within his congregation. There is an aspect of being in a sanctuary here. I remember when Greg Laurie's son died. You guys remember his son? He was in a car accident and, and you would figure that, that, you know, Greg Laurie would you know, take some time off. But no, that Sunday he was in church because he wanted to be with God's people. He wanted to be, you know, with God. You know, there's no other refuge. There's no other comfort. There's no other peace. The Lord, Hebrews chapter 6, says we have fled for, to him. For refuge. If you read the Old Testament, there's an interesting typology about all the cities of refuge where, you know, the children of Israel were allowed to run to when they had committed uh, the manslaughter or various things and, 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 you know, the wrongs, you know, perhaps that were done, not presumptuously. Um, but, you know, that was a picture of Jesus. And so, you know, I don't know if you're going through a hard time right now. Some of you here... You know, things are going good. But eventually, eventually, sooner or later, you're going to have something rock your world. And it's times like that, that you got to know truths like this, where he says right here, the Lord also in verse 9 will be a refuge for the oppressed a, a, a refuge in times of trouble. And, and notice he says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You know, I was thinking about the, the Syrian refugees. Um, you guys know the war that's going on in Syria right now has created so much death and devastation. The last I heard there were 470,000 people dead because of this civil war. Now, you know, we don't see it here. We have our, our, our you know, our, this place. We're so prosperous here. But man, there are people going through things around the world. And so, you know, you don't want to die. You know, this is a, a, just the most, the most awful war. You got the leader on one side who's using, you know, chemical weapons and gases on his own people. And then you've got ISIS. You've got this crazy Islamic, you know, just absolutely heartless group raping 10-year-olds, crucifying men. 
And so when you're in that situation, I think it's okay to be a refugee. I want out of here. So, you know, you have now, from what I understand, 11 million Syrians who are refugees. They need a place to go. A lot of them have found refuge in the countries that have opened up their doors. Some of them are still there in various camps in Syria. But, but at the end of the day, there's got to be a place to go where you're safe. And for us, that's Jesus. You know, that's Jesus. And that's who he is right here. And what we find in this text right here, it says that those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Do you guys know the name of God? I know you do, huh? What are some of the names of God? Just Yeah, did you know? The, I bet you never guess how many names of God there are in the Bible. 900 names of God. Imagine that. It all kind of goes back to that one name where he said, I am whatever you need. I need a friend. Okay, I'll, I'll be, I need a father. How about a daddy? You know, Abba. You know, I need provision. Oh, Jehovah Jireh. I need peace. Jehovah Shalom. I need righteousness. Jehovah Tzidkanu. I mean, you name it. I mean, he's the, he's the bright, you know, morning star. I mean, he is, it's amazing You know, when you know the name, of course, ultimately, what's his name? Jesus. And when you read the Old Testament, we don't really know his name. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Tetragrammaton. You know, and then eventually we don't know how to pronounce it. You think that was an oops in God's plan? Absolutely not. Eventually, even that name would be eclipsed by the name above all names. His name is Jesus. And that's the one we run to, huh? You know, those who know your name will put their trust in you. You know, if you don't know the Lord, I pray that tonight you would give your life to Christ. You know, there's a really cool proverb. Um, Let me read it to you, or maybe you can read it to me. No, I'm just joking. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18 Look what it says in verse 10. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You know, here we see back in Psalm, it says in verse 11, Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. When he avenges blood, he remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. He's have mercy on me, O Lord. Consider my trouble from those who hate me. And you know, Jesus said that we would be hated in John 15, verse 18. And he said it in Luke 21, you know, 17. You know, when you really serve the Lord, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be hated by the enemy. You know, today I was uh, getting my teeth clean. Did you guys notice? No, I'm just and that man, she just tore me up. <laughs> Oh, she said, oh, you need a deep cleaning. And so anyways, the, 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 gay that, the girl that was giving my, my she was t- washing my teeth or whatever, cleaning my teeth, she uh, has a son. And um, what's the name of that ministry again? I think it's called Anchored North. You can write it down. Check out the videos that this guy's making. Amazing videos. 
But anyways, he did one video of a, a gal that was a lesbian and she got saved and she got married and she has children. And it's just a beautiful story, a simple story of how God rescued her, how God saved her. You know, and, and nothing bad, nothing necessarily derogatory towards, you know, the, the gay and lesbian, you know, agenda, other than look at what God can do. But she told me today that her son is just getting hundreds of death threats. And so Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, you come to a time in reality where it says the things that are good are evil and the things that are evil are good. They got things backwards now and they hate us. And, they, and that's what David is saying here. You know what? We, we have our enemies who hate us. And so he says in verse 14 that I may tell of your, your praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I'll rejoice in your salvation. So even though they hate us, God will be our protection. He says, the nations have sunk down in the pit which they made and the net which they hid their own foot is caught. The Lord is known by the judgment he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. You know, and, and this whole psalm right here is interesting. This when you look at the practical application of it, you know, there's an application that I think we can take and make personal. There, there's an application that we can probably give to David as he's battling nations and some of them hated them, hated him. And, you know, God gave him victory over nations. But even Warren Wiersbe, he said, and there's also an application for the future that that what he's talking about ultimately is the fact that one day God will bring justice to the planet. And he will judge the nations. And that can happen any time now. You know, so for us, praise God, you know, um, we that place our faith in him are saved. But all those, unfortunately, who have rejected Christ, you know, he talks about a place right here called hell. It's a real place. Um, Luke chapter 16 talks about it. It's actually just a compartment where the unrighteous go prior to the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20, where the Bible says that everyone will stand before God and give an account and everyone whose name is not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. And so, you know, you might wonder why so many evils going on in the world today and why is God letting them get away with it? It's just important for us to know that no one, gets away with anything. No, there is a judgment. And that's why it's important that we place our faith in Christ. Let's do uh, one more psalm right here. It says in verse 1 in Psalm 10, it says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? You know, sometimes it feels like God is far 
away and and the new living translation it says why do you hide in the most difficult times do you ever feel that way when you're going through the hard times it's like i can't feel you god i uh, it seems like you're far away have you forsaken me you know in verse 2 it says the wicked in his pride he persecutes the poor and we're going to see all the different things the wicked do and it seems like they get away with but in the midst of this psalm there's three prayers that David prays. First one is here in verse 2. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. And so as you're going through hard times and as you see the things going on in the world that we live in, you know, it's okay to, to pray. I think it's important for us to pray, Lord, please, you know, bring justice. Notice he says in verse 3, for the wicked boasts of his heart's desire He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. And, you know, I don't want to like major on the negative or anything, but, you know, guys, that's the world that we live in, in a large part. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on right now. I could take a survey right here. So many people have been molested. I could take a survey right here. So many families, so many people that didn't have a dad. I mean, we could talk about the crazy things that we've done in defiance. How about the pride in the world today? You know, and you've got these guys in Hollywood in different places using their power, you know, to have their sexual favors done for them you know guys that's just the tip of the iceberg you guys know about pornography you guys know about child pornography i mean the wicked who don't know the lord and and the crazy thing about it is that you know i don't know even as christians i wonder man do we really think about the lord it says right here that that for the wicked that, that God is in none of his thoughts. And I wrote this little thing right here. It says, research, research tells us that the average person thinks, guess how many thoughts you think every day? 700,000 thoughts a day. That's what they say. I don't know how they, I think they just thunk, thunk that up somewhere. Anyways, I wonder how many of those thoughts have God in them. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11, and Psalm 40, verse 5, and Psalm 139, 17, they all speak of the way God thinks of us. Good thoughts, precious thoughts, even innumerable thoughts that cannot be counted. And so, you know, God, in thinking of us, it's amazing. It says it's as the sand of the sea. It's more than can be numbered. And so if God thinks of us so much, shouldn't we think of him a lot too? Shouldn't we wake up in the morning and thank Him for another day? Shouldn't we start the day by getting into the Word and asking Him to teach us and reveal Himself to us? Shouldn't we get on our knees and ask Him for strength? Shouldn't we think of God when we're interacting with others, all others, knowing that God loves that person perfectly and He died for them? Shouldn't we think of God in every move we make and every breath we take? And the answer is we should. You know, we read in Proverbs 12, 5 that the thoughts of the righteous are right 
And 2 Corinthians 10.5 commands us to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ, to the obedience of Christ. And so with that said, it's so sad to read what the psalmist writes about the wicked and prideful man that God is in none of his thoughts. You see, the wicked man cannot even fathom the thought that there is a God who loves him, who died for him in order to save him. The wicked man just does his thing like an animal, living, dying, oblivious to the fact that without Christ, he is guilty for eternity. And so I pray, and I wrote it right here, that, that today we would give God our minds, our heart, and our thoughts. You know, for the wicked, God's in, in none of his thoughts. How many of you here would say this? Because God has done such a work in your life, and I'm not saying that you're bragging. I'm not saying this. But it seems like by his grace that God is in all of your thoughts. Some of you guys here, God has done such a work a beautiful work in your life that there is no dichotomy, that there is no duplicity, that all the the interactions you have with everyone is filtered with the fact that God is listening and God is watching, that all the decisions you make in the light and in the dark, that everything we do, all our life is brought under that understanding that God sees. No, for the wicked in the book of Genesis, when God eventually did judge the world and brought a flood, it said that God was grieved that he made man because he saw that the thoughts and intents of their hearts were perpetually evil. You know, we got to get on the other side. Wouldn't it be cool if God looked down at you and he says, one thing I like about that guy is he's always thinking about me. Look what we read right here as we go through real quick. His ways are always prospering, the the wicked. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. You know, he thinks that, you know, he's never going to be judged. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. And, And three times we read this, he has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages, in the secret places. Notice, he murders the innocent. And I know it's hard to think about, but man, this happens all the time. You know, his eyes are are secretly fixed on the helpless, and he he lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor, and he catches the poor when he he draws them into his net. So he crouches, he lies low that the helpless may fall by his strength. And here it is in the second time he has said in his heart, you know, God has, has forgotten. He hides his face, he will never see. See, the the problem with the wicked is that they think that they'll never stand before God, but we're all going to stand before God. Those who don't know the Lord at the great white throne judgment and those who do know the Lord at the Bema seat, we're all going to give an account. Now, when we give an account to the Lord, it's not going to be our sins because they were nailed to the cross, but it will, it will be for our works and the motives of those works. 
And so this guy right here is thinking, you know what? I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can live the life, whatever I want, because I'm never going to have to stand before God. And so he prays the second time in verse 12, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. And so he says, Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, You will not require an account. But God will, of course we know. Revelation 20. You have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. You know, one of the people that you don't want to mess with are orphans and widows because God has a special place in his heart for them. But unfortunately, these guys, they go after those who can't defend themselves. And so he prays again in verse 15, break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his hand. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed that the man of the earth may oppress no more. And again, it's interesting, Warren Wiersbe, in looking at these uh, chapters right here, he says basically what David is saying is he's looking forward to the day where... um, like I was talking to Carlos today, where there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more evil, no more wickedness, no more injustices, where Jesus Christ will come and he will reign on earth and then after a thousand years. Do you guys look forward to that place where there's no more sin, no more Satan? Pizza will be good for you. Do you guys look forward to that day? Um, That's what David is saying right here. We know we think that everybody's going to get away with it if we don't know the Lord or his word, but one day judgment will come for those who don't know the Lord. You know, thank God for us who are Christians that we're not going to get what we deserve, huh? What do we deserve? Judgment. We deserve hell. But when you place your faith in Christ, you get mercy, you get grace. And I thought it would be kind of cool even if we go back to the very first verse that we looked at and we had the musicians come up. And and to me, I was thinking about this. It says, To the chief musician, to the tune of death of the son. And I can't help but, you know, reading that phrase right there and thinking of the fact that Jesus Christ, you know, died for us on that cross, man, to give us life. You know, I was talking to someone today and they were wondering whether or not they're going to go to heaven because they were, you know, basically saying, well, I'm not perfect. And I I was trying to tell this person, well, yeah, yeah, you, you are not perfect. You never will be. But the perfect one, Christ, died for us. It was the death of the son that gives us life. And so what do we need to do? Um, If you're not a Christian, run to him. If you are a Christian, struggling, run to him. It doesn't matter what the situation is. There is nothing too hard for God. He can make your marriage something that you would have never imagined. He can place a calling on your life to change the world, you know, to save the lost like you would have never 
ever thought would be possible. You know, today I was on my knees reading my Bible with a man who's going into a rehab. And I was telling him, I believe that God is calling you to be a pastor. God can do anything, but we have to run to Him. And so I pray that we will.